This is our campfire. I built it just for you. After that long day of adventure on the trail of yours, you can come to our campfire and pull up a log. There's room here for you. It's a safe space where you can take off your ponytail, you can take off your bra, and kick back into some comfortable clothes. We'll fill up your cup with, you know, an adult beverage. <laughs> and we can talk in the dark about the things that really matter. We can talk vulnerably. We can get real. Uh, it's safe here. Come join us. Hey, and welcome back to the Trail of Adventure Campfire. Today, I have Kate Mosier. She is an entrepreneur, a mama, a yoga teacher, and a body liberation activist. And she lives in the mountains of North Carolina. Um, she's currently inviting folks to join her online community, The Undoing. And it's a place where you can start your own journey to explore yoga, your own body liberation, and social justice. Hi, Kate. Thanks for being here. Hi, Holly. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So I have to explain that Kate and I are not exactly new to each other. Um, and I was telling her before we hopped on here to record that my most memorable moment of uh, her and I hanging out together was this magical night that we had so many years ago when we were in our te teens um, and we were sitting on a dock up in the Muskokas and we were uh, star watching and having a really, really deep conversation. Um, I'm not sure I could tell you much about the conversation now, but this night and this, uh, you know, the vulnerability we shared and the um, time we had together just really stays with me. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think I could tell you what we talked about, but um, I definitely like can remember the feeling in my body talking with you and just remembering myself in the conversation too because as teenagers I think my experience as a teenager was a lot of times I was I was lost and so I remember the feeling of just being reminded of of who I was in the conversation yeah I I gotta say the same teenage years were not kind <laughs> But this was a conversation, I think that's why it stayed with me was it was okay to, to be exactly how you were and you were accepted. And that was a rare uh, and precious gift during that time. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the work you've been doing because I find it super inspiring. Um, and I want to talk about um, first about how you do yoga because I've taken a yoga class from you and it was a really different experience as someone who's in a larger body, um, as someone who has, you know, felt a little out of place at a yoga studio. Is that fair? Um, and the way that you do a class is really different. And I want to talk about like how you got there and, and how you teach that is different because I think it is. Hmm. Well, for folks listening, because you can't see me, um, I live in a fat body. I have all of my life, different, um, different iterations of that body. And yoga has been something that I've practiced for, it's close to two decades now. Um, and I will tell you that I came to yoga to lose weight. I came to yoga to be super bendy. And I came to yoga to basically try to become someone else. 
And I did that for like, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years, like on and off different types of yoga, Bikram, hot, Bikram is hot yoga, um, Hatha, Ashtanga, Iyengar, all of it. And spoiler, did not do any of the things I went into yoga to become. But what the thread for me was throughout it was like always coming back to my mat. And my mat was like this sacred little square that I could go to either at home or in the classes I would attend. And it was mine. It was my space for the time I was in that class. And as someone who lives in a fat body in growing up in the 80s and 90s, being fat was like not a good thing. It was not treated like something you aspired to. It was something that you ran super quickly in the other direction to get away from. And that's basically how I treated my body most of my life until, until, uh, until a lot of things. It wasn't just one thing, uh, but mamahood and just coming into myself in my thirties, uh, realizing that yoga was still something that like brought me back to myself, brought me back to that reminder of like that I'm worthy just as I am. And so my yoga practice got more intense, meaning I just was going to more classes. And if you are someone who lives in a body that's not traditionally seen as a yoga body, that could be a fat body, that could be a disabled body, that could be a black body, that could be a trans body, lots of different um, bodies are not seen in the yoga world because we are shown thin, white, privileged, wealthy, usually female identifying folks. Um, and who are young. So there's a lot of us who exist in the yoga world who are outside of those circles. And so as someone who lives in a non-traditional yoga body, I've had a lot of experiences of going to classes where it's assumed I don't know how to do yoga. It's assumed it's the first time I've done yoga. It's assumed that I can't do very much because of my size or the way I'm presenting. And so you know, Holly will tell you, I've always had this rebel in me. I, I don't like being told what to do. Might, that might be why, what we have in common, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pretty much if you tell me I can't do it, I will say, fuck you, watch me. And so that's kind of what happened with yoga. I live in a, I live in a place where yoga um, is very popular. There's probably 25 yoga studios for a population of 75,000, which is just a lot. Um, and there weren't any yoga teachers that looked like me. There weren't anybody in a fat body. There was hardly anyone that even just skirted the, the norms of what you see in yoga culture. And so that became a challenge for me. And the opportunity arose for me to become a yoga teacher. And so I took it. And now I teach yoga Thanks to the pandemic, I teach it online primarily. I did teach in person for a couple of years before then. And the ethos of my classes are um, what Diane Bondi, who is a yoga teacher and social justice advocate will say is come as you are and do what you can. And yoga is not about the size of your body. It is about um, finding your way back to yourself. 
So that's what I try to create in my classes. And I, I think that I do a pretty good job of it. And um, sounds like that's what you experienced, Holly, when you were there. Yeah, I think it is for sure. And I, I got to say, like, in being in many different environments of yoga from, you know, like a YMCA type of place to a more, you know, traditional hot yoga studio and everything in between too, um, I really want to love yoga, but I really don't because of that. And so to be in a space, even online during this pandemic, I mean, normally I, you live in North Carolina, I live up here in Alberta, Canada, like I normally I would not be able to come to your class. So it was, you know, the pandemic's given us a lot in terms of that in terms of choice, which is great. But um, I think that um, just the way that you do yoga in a really gentle way. And with that ethos in mind is it makes a really different experience. So if you're someone like me who has tried a lot of different yoga and not really found your feet, I would highly recommend checking out a course of Kate's and trying it out. Um, I also want to talk though about, you know, I've read some of your story. Um, obviously I've been paying attention. Um, so you talk a lot about this one yoga teacher at the YMCA who, who sort of inspired you because she, um, she wasn't a traditional body and that kind of like, you know, turned the tide, so to speak for what was possible. Yeah, she was a Zumba instructor, actually. She wasn't um, a yoga teacher, but she was a Zumba instructor who lived in a larger body. And if you are familiar or not, Zumba is a like a dance cardio type class. And I first met this person um, as a student of hers in um, a YMCA class. And I was still like pretty deep in diet culture at that point and was definitely like taking Zumba to shrink myself. That was like the sole purpose. And seeing this woman dance essentially, like shake her butt in front of a really pretty large group of people unapologetically with a huge smile on her face and calling folks in towards her. It was like, it was a pretty, oh, I'm getting goosebumps. It was a pretty powerful experience as someone who was told and never someone who was told that fat bodies aren't okay. And then someone who was also never given an example of someone in a fat body moving their body in a joyful way from what, you know, this is projection, but from what I could tell was like for the sole purpose of bringing herself joy. It wasn't to do anything but that. Yeah, that's, that's pretty profound. Uh, I got to say like having worked at YMCA's and spent a lot of time with YMCA's, that is the one thing that I totally love about them is because the instructors are people who really are, are want to be there a lot and the joy that they bring to their classes, I think is pretty incredible. And I've had some pretty cool experiences with people from there too. Um, so you started into this, you know, long yoga journey, you tried out tons and tons of different kinds of yoga, and then you've, you know, found this like Zumba teacher who was super liberated, you got into this yoga instructors training. And then so I think when we do training, generally, we start to learn a lot of things about ourselves, you know, that we didn't really, you know, know before we got into this training, and we think training is going to take us in this direct path, but sometimes it becomes this winding trail of adventure. And um, I just want to talk about what did you 
what happened in that training period that really kind of started catalyzing this ethos and where you were going to, what you were going to do next with yoga? So I had an experience in the training um, where at the first class, first meeting of the training, you know, we met for like intensive weekends once a month for nine months. And um, this first training, everybody got paired up with a partner. And they basically said like, this is your, this is your person for, for the next nine months. They're your person to check in with. If they're not here, you know, like check in with them, um, make a point of getting to know them. Like they are going to, you're their person in there. You are their person and they are your person. So we're sitting in the circle. Most of the folks in this circle are kind of fall into that like norm of yoga, right? And then there's me. And then there's a couple other folks who don't. And that's it out of a group of 25. And I'm, I'm the only um, person in a larger body who at that time of me being in there in that first class um, was really owning the fact that I was in a larger body or that's the story I was telling myself. So I get, go around and pairing people up. My anxiety is rising. So I'm like, who am I going to get paired with? Like, how is this going to go? Ah, you know, the story, everybody, like everybody has probably had some experience like this, either from like science class or whatever. So I get no, there's no control here. And I get paired up with this man who's traditionally good looking, he kind of has this swagger about him. And I'm just like, fuck, because as a fat woman, like men generally go one of two ways with fat women, either they hate it and it's gross or they fetishize. And I'm not saying that everybody's like that. Every man's like that, but that had been my experience up to that point. And I was just like, kind of still fresh on my body live journey. And so I was just like, oh shit. And like in my head. And then I'm trying to play it cool. And then we start talking. And there's a couple of like icebreaker, but like deeper than icebreaker conversations they're facilitating because it's a yoga thing. And we kind of dive in deeper than just the surface. And then over this weekend, we continue to be paired up together for lots of different things, both like practicing the actual postures and teaching and um, other activities. And long story short, long story short, he, he really busted my expectations of what it was. And he is somebody that now I hold really close to my heart. And he's somebody, um, his name is Jake, hi Jake, who is a dear friend of mine, because what happened was he allowed me to, to have my process and to be vulnerable. And he stuck with me and he actually like became a mirror back to myself in this process. And he, um, I don't know if he knew anything about body liberation before, but he had this open heart. And what it did for me was make me recognize that like when I should like, you know, Brene Brown, love her, um, vulnerability is your superpower. And when you show up as your full self, even when it's messy and you, you haven't quite figured it out, but you know, like you're on the right track, people, um, people who are like able to hold space for that, they will. And you 
you become a deeper and more connected version of yourself. And so that's what happened for me. So absolutely training was a mirror. And it was also because I was in this training with Jake and some other wonderful folks who really were able to like allow me to have that process without, um, without judgment and going back to that inner rebel. Sometimes she thinks like everybody's like against her, you know? Like, yes. like, that, <laughs> like, like she comes in with her Duke stop. Yep. And that wasn't the experience I had. I have a theory about that. Um, <laughs> I think I think that we're taught that the rebel is supposed to be like that. The rebel is supposed to be like, well, if you're not like totally for me, then you're against me, right? Which is a very black and white and um, not very loving attitude, to be honest. Um, but I've since learned the healed rebel is the creatrix. And it's, it's the, you know, woman or rebel who knows their own power and knows that um, everyone isn't against her, but she may have to educate along the way, or she may have to, that's part of it. Like she may have to, you know, create the environment or, or open up to create that environment, which is a different, it's a different way of looking at it um, instead of being defensive to be open. And so, and that I think having been a rebel is really a challenge for the rebel is to say, no, we are connected. We are still all connected. And, you know, there's something to learn here, even if this experience isn't going to go how I thought, you know? And so I, I applaud you because the courage to be vulnerable, especially in that environment when there's so many things that are already stacked. Also, as an introvert, getting paired up with anybody randomly is uh, incredibly stressful. And I know I've been in that situation so many times too. But I, I, I've noticed lately that I usually get paired with someone who allows growth or they ask good questions of my framework or whatever I'm putting together. And they cause me to articulate things that maybe I had taken for granted in my process or method. And, and so that mirror, I think is one of the most valuable, um, that listening in the mirroring is something so valuable that we can offer other people. But I think a lot of us didn't learn how to do that, you know, and didn't learn how to have a conversation that doesn't go back and forth like that or, or so on and so forth. And so you know, we have to also be gentle with each other because we're learning that in a lot of ways still. Um, and the best way we can do that is by modeling it. And um, it's challenging. It's not easy. <laughs> it's challenging, but it, it, it does allow so much more vulnerability. It allows relationships to be so much deeper. There's a lot of plus, plus pluses for it. Um, now, one of the things I'm really interested with you is um, your you know, uh, you, you go to the bottom of the ocean, much like I do in your work. And so, um, you, and I were having this conversation a couple of months ago and you were actually talking about how you got into, um, deeper into yoga and you realized that these, um, items in it actually were relating to the kind of stress that people were having in the world. And through these, um, yoga practices, and I can't remember the right name you were, I want to say Ashtang, but I think I'm wrong. And um, that basically that you could create this really interesting yoga program that would um, 
allow us to release the grief we're feeling or the stress we're feeling or um, all those kind of things that kind of hang in our body through the movements. So can you tell us more? And I'm sorry, I didn't use the right words, but can you tell us more about that? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, when folks think of yoga, I know most most people are thinking of the postures or in Sanskrit, the asana. And yoga is actually an eight limbed path. It's a, it's a, um, it's a way to live your life. Yoga means to yoke, to union, to become. And eight, those, that eight limbs, the asana, the postures is just one part of that. But, you know, Western culture, capitalism, patriarchy, white supremacy, all the systems of oppression that like to cherry pick the things from other cultures and basically commercialize it and make money off of it. That's kind of what happened. That's a very abridged version of it. <laughs> That's what happened to yoga in the West um, when it was brought over from India. And um, one of the eight limbs of yoga include meditation, breath work, going inward, reflection, and the yamas and the niyamas, which is what I'm you're referring to. And the yamas and the niyamas are essentially like ethical guidelines and considerations for how, how to live a yogic life. And the yamas and the niyamas um, are basically consideration points for individuals to live in alignment with what your values are as a human being. They don't tell you how to act. They don't tell you what your values should be. They just offer a framework for taking your values and stepping them into the world and constantly constantly coming back to the fact that like you were saying before, life is not black and white. Most of our life, we live in this gray. We live, I like to call it the discomfort because it's this place of just like utter unknown. And sometimes it feels like shit because you just want, you want the yes or no, you want the right or wrong or the good or bad. And the yamas and the niyamas are, are a way to basically take that black and white framework and, and, and invite the gray in a way that um, allows us to be introspective, allows us to show up as like more fully human beings, more vulnerable human beings in the world. And for me, when I learned about the yamas and the niyamas, it was like a light went off for me. And it was where my yoga practice really became integrated into who I am, how I show up in the world, how, what my, how I decide to give my energy to things, what it brings value and meaning to me. And that is kind of where I jumped into body liberation in my entrepreneurial journey. So I was teaching yoga for a while as a, you know, an independent yoga teacher. And um, it's funny, this is a tangent, but two summers ago, I went to see an astrologer. It was a Christmas gift. And she read my natal chart. And I was at the beginning of my entrepreneurial yoga journey. And she was like, she'd done my reading and it was great. And she said, you know, it's not just yoga for you. I don't know what it is, but there's some like yoga is like, you know, this big, like the size of a, a cup and the rest of it is like the size of the universe. Do you know what it is? And I was like, no, what, what are you talking about? 
yoga, it's yoga, thinking I was like hit on it. Well, I think, I don't know that I've like hit the cosmic big circle on this yet, but it's the, it's calling people in, inviting people into this body liberation journey. Yoga is one tool that I use to get into it, but it's not the only tool. And the yamas and the niyamas for me, basically they put a framework around like ways for me to show up and use my gifts because um, I think. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode useful, I double dog dare you to send it to a friend.